You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Guys, we are still well into the spoopy season, so why not treat yourself to some delicious baked goods? Head on over to FredHeBakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. Guys, trust me, these fall treats are not going to disappoint. They are absolutely delicious, so don't wait. Go, 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 because they are super tasty. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts or Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I just wanted to say that we hope you guys are doing well. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you're taking care of yourselves. Uh, we know 2020's been a wild ride, uh, so we hope you all are staying safe and staying healthy and staying sane. So please, please continue to do whatever it is you need to do to take care of yourselves. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something back are we talking are we like talking 74 days or are we talking like earlier this afternoon uh, i was i was thinking about like 80 some odd days okay 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 you know i could probably be persuaded to do that actually you know what let's go back a little further let's go back a little <laughs> further and warn ourselves about what is about to transpire. Wait, wait, wait. Are are you suggesting time travel, Will? This is this episode isn't even about time travel. You can't bring time travel into it. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast devoted to the hit Nikki and Paolo show. <laughs> Law. Devoted uh, to expose. Uh, I'm Will Lincoln with me as always. Megan Salinas, hey everybody. And we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 14, Expose. Uh, I'm so excited that we get to talk about the band Expose. You know, that that hit band from the late 80s, early 90s. I was a big fan when I was what? a kid, so like, I'm so glad that we're devoting this time to talking about Expose. Why don't you give us a little bit... Uh... Why don't you? Why don't you? You sing us a little bit of their uh, of their stuff. There. <laughs> Do you not know who Expose is? Well, I'm certain I will after you sing it to me. <laughs> nobody, nobody needs me to do that. <laughs> I like we. Uh, I will alienate all of our listeners if they have to hear me sing. <laughs> what we're talking about, though, is the hit uh, television series Expose about uh, strippers who are trying to take down this crime syndicate. My kind of series. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, this episode of Lost and Expose is written by Edward 
uh, Kittis and Adam Horwitz, um, who have written many of the more humorous episodes. I would say they've done a lot of Hurley stuff. They've done a lot of Charlie stuff. Yeah. Um, they're they're a mixed bag for me, honestly. Um, when when they collaborate, like their their stuff with Hurley and Charlie is kind of hit or miss for me. I gotta be honest, Will. I think they knocked it out of the fucking park for this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's directed by Stephen Williams, and this is a good. This is a good episode. And this is something we've talked about in the past. And whenever Nikki and Paolo come up, I always argue: yes, Nikki and Paolo are not good. But this episode is great. This is the uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of Lost. This is, we see the side characters experiencing not just their own story, but the whole series up until now. It's really such a fun idea. Um, now, I mean, the the thing about Nikki and Paolo is is that it's always been a fun idea um, to like hang around with some characters who, because of like the kind of clicky nature of the ensemble cast, like have been there the whole time but have gotten no attention. Like, there's that's a good idea. That's a fun idea. It's just the execution has always left something to be desired, and. This apparently was a super polarizing episode when it aired. Like, people either loved it because it got rid of Nikki and Paolo or they saw the humor in it um, and appreciated all the cameos. Or they hated it because it's like here was another set of stories that, like, were abruptly cut short. Like, you could tell that this was not the original plan for Nikki and Paolo. And it's pretty readily apparent. And I'll be honest, Will, um, when I, when this episode first aired, I was in the, the camp of the latter. I really didn't like this episode, not because it wasn't not because it was a bad episode, but because I was expecting more from Nikki and Paolo. Having been introduced at the beginning of the season, I was expecting to eventually get to care about them like you do with like the Anna Lucia's and the Mr. Echo and things like that. Um, and so to kill them off so early, I, I was, I was caught off guard with that. And I was very frustrated. Well, if we that. had come to care for them, they couldn't have killed them off this early. Like that's, that's the, it's, like the, it's the weird catch 22 of this episode. What works about this episode could never have worked if we actually liked them or grew to know them. Um, yeah, but I'm just, uh, the only reason I bring that up is that like I have done a complete 180 on this episode. Like I remember being really angry and frustrated after it which, first aired. Okay. And when I watched it today, I, I think I texted you that I was just yeah. grinning from ear to ear the entire damn time. A complete 180, which is also words you're going to have to say at the end of this podcast, uh, uh, run of this podcast. That is incorrect. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, bless other, your bets now, everybody. <laughs> the other argument uh, to why this episode might not be great is that and this is something that maybe it is unfortunate for Nikki and Paolo as uh, 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 characters or the actors or whatever you want to say, because they became the symbol of the show spinning its wheels in its third season. And you can make the definite argument that, you know, 
the last episode, we find out Locke's father is on the island, and we've got this crazy story going on with the others, and then we just spend a whole episode dealing with stuff that's never going to really be that important. That, in the greater context of the show, is not impactful. Like, you could make it to the, like, very end of the series and completely forget about the existence of Nikki and Paolo because they don't and, impact the overall narrative. And, and other than one little kind of character reveal moment in this, uh, uh, there, there's not much that moves forward. I believe there is, um, the Nikki and Paolo are referenced again in this series when, uh, what's his name? Miles comes to the, uh, island and can like sense dead people um <laughs> but uh, i'm gonna also say this nikki and paula were not good but were they really that bad and, and and my my thing is this over the years in my head nikki and paula have been built up to be more important than they were when what has struck me is that they have had very little screen time like they don't yeah, they have, sur- they have, like upon a rewatch surprisingly little like in my head they had more and now watching I'm like oh they didn't take up all that much time like what were we so annoyed about uh and I know what we were annoyed about they were trying to like pull one over on us and it just wasn't that interesting but Nikki and Paolo they don't like I don't know if they ever were around enough to get to, to deserve the hate they got. Uh, I, I'm 50-50 on it because you can't rewrite the past. Like, and the, the fact of the matter is, is that in the context of the show as it exists, they don't matter. But yeah. I, I do remember being mildly annoyed that like we've been here the whole time because of how like kind of forced that well, was. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, well, that's the problem. They they jam them down our throats in a weird, unnatural way, where like Locke is just like Nikki Paolo, come with me and help me. Like what? Like you know. But I, the uh, but the I mean the the problem, yeah, is is that the the way they were introduced was not as well handled as it could have been. But that being said, I I found that mildly annoying, but I didn't hate them. And that's the thing is I don't necessarily understand where all the hate slash backlash came from to the point where the showrunners felt like they had to kill off these two characters, especially because they were stalling for time. Um, There was actually at the time of this recording, only very recently, an interview with uh, Lindelof with uh did with collider was yes. talking about how that uh the original plan for lost was to end it after three seasons and then uh because they were only contractually signed uh he and coos were only contractually signed on for seasons one and two and they got an extension during season three and then during negotiations with the network like they were planning on passing it off to basically new showrunners because uh the network wasn't listening to them because you just didn't end shows that were popular in the mid 2000s yeah and I mean, look, and this is a show that in its first season won the Emmy. Like, you know, I mean, ABC had a, look, and and ABC had a hit on its hand till the very end. Like, I get the business decision, but it's nicer to see that 
Lindelof has had a chance to kind of just with his work with HBO, with the leftovers and Watchmen, just kind of do his own thing, go at his own pace, end when he wants to end, not get overextended. Yeah, like, and and granted, this is his side of the story. We'll never, we'll never really know. And, and well, to, to his own admission, to his own admission, as as well as he can remember it, um, like because none of us were ever in the room, you know where it happened. Uh, uh, we were ta- sorry, guys. We were talking about Hamilton earlier, uh, but because we we weren't in the room, like we're never really gonna know how it all went down. Um, the only thing we have to go on is what people say happened well, you know, ten I'm, years after the fact. I'm sure those uh, uh, television executives were real respective of the creative, uh, respectful. Of the creative <laughs> sure, how did you, sure how they, did you even finish that sentence yeah. without laughing? <laughs> so let's get into the episode now, Megan. Uh, real quick. We should, and I know I definitely should have mentioned this earlier <laughs> since I, we talked about their deaths, but if this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, just as a heads up, we spoil everything about this show. So if for whatever reason you've stumbled upon our podcast but haven't finished Lost yet, you've been warned. Um, now, when I go through this episode, because of the way this is structured... Uh, where the flashbacks aren't quite traditional. I'm going to go, and it's my Do you want to do what we did with the tailies? I was going to, yeah, I was going to go linearly, uh, which means I'm going to take us all the way from expose to to, uh, the burial as it, in that order. So Okay, so you want to go uh you want to go with just the episode as it's presented rather than going chronologically. Oh no, I guess I want to go with chronologically. I that's what I meant, but you phrased it more <laughs> succinctly. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um so we see Nikki and she is stripping. And we don't know about Nikki. We're like, oh, guess she's a stripper. Kind of fits, maybe. I could see that from what we've seen of her on the island, maybe. I don't know. And then we realize, oh, she's she's up to something. Because she busts in to the back room of the strip club where there's a money deal going on. And she's like, oh, it's the money for the orphanage. And, and it's really funny because... Um... The, the way she's delivering these lines, it's not how Nikki talks. It's very stilted and yeah. it's very awkward. She's like, that's the money for the orphanage. Like something like that. And then who turns around in the chair, but it's Billy D. Williams. Lando Calrissian, everybody. Billy D. Williams really is the smoothest motherfucker right he's so cool he turns around and it turns out billy d he's not the man nikki thought he he was he's actually the cobra the guy she's been after (laughs) not the not cobra commander but so billy d's bodyguard goes for uh 
goes for Nikki, but she goes razzle-dazzle and tries to fight him off, but it's too late. Billy D shoots her, and she's dead. And I remember <laughs> watching this the first time and being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it felt like one of those, uh, I think... Pamela Anderson, after doing Baywatch, did like a one season show where she was like a secret agent or something like that. Because I I remember seeing a couple episodes of it like on WGN back in the day. Well, yeah, this Uh, is the kind of show that aired on like a basic cable channel, like local basic cable channel. It was like a syndicated show. This wasn't like some, some great network thing. It's not prime time, baby. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, like, I I think that's kind of what they were heavily pulling from. And when it's revealed that, oh, it's just, and you know, Nikki doesn't die. So it's like, what's happening? And when it's revealed like, oh, it's just a TV show. She's an actress. And my favorite thing that maybe Lost has ever done, that's not true, but Billy D. Williams is playing himself. <laughs> I thought Billy D. It was a pleasure. He's like, hey, and like he's, you know, oh my god. He canonically, Billy D. Williams exists within the world of Lost. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And Nikki is. Hey, how come Jacob didn't recruit Billy D? <laughs> could you imagine that would have been if I could redo Lost. If, if not Billy D. I would totally do like a being John Malkovich thing where I get some actor to play a version of himself or herself who's stranded on that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, all the castaways are, are trapped on this Island and Kate Blanchett just happens to be <laughs> one of them. Like, <laughs> like that would be amazing. Like, Oh, and Tilda Swinton's here. Oh, oh my and, gosh. And, you know, it it just so happens uh Seth Rogan's on the island hanging out with Hurley and Charlie. Like that'd be great. Oh, then it's a stoner comedy. Then it's a Judd Apatow joint. <laughs> It'd be pretty good. So, so now this is all I want. Martin's first <laughs> Daisy is stuck on the island. <laughs> yes. Oh man, could you imagine? It would be beautiful. So it turns out that uh Nikki is in a relationship with the 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 showrunner producer creator of the show Sky Howie and uh he's kind of encouraged like oh don't leave the show like stay on the show we can write it and yeah and she's like no no she's she Yeah will will we can retcon this <laughs> Yes yes but <laughs> You know what's so funny? Nikki was clearly like a working actress whose star was on the rise, and yet she still decided to do this criminal enterprise. Dude, I, I was, you beat me to the punch. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the scene, but I had so many, uh, like in hindsight, like I didn't question it at the time when this initially aired, but like upon a rewatch, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, none, of this, <laughs> none of this really. So... She's living with with Howie. They're in a relationship. It's eighty four days before. Uh, oh, 
Wait, real real quick before we before we jump too too far into the rest of the episode. Um uh, according to that uh like whenever we come to an episode like this where it's like like normally I kind of just like lo- watching the episode and then giving our thoughts on it, but when it comes to an episode like this that's super infamous for one reason or another, I do kind of like to pull up some trivia. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little bit of trivia in regards to uh, her, her show Expose. Uh, originally, and talking, this ties into the idea that um, the writers were really spinning their wheels when it came to season three, was initially Nikki was going to have an entire flashback episode to herself, and it would only be at the end of the episode where we find out that her entire flashback was all just an episode of Expose. Oh my god, that bit that would have been. I mean, okay, I don't. I mean, that's not necessary, but it's amazing. Like on the one hand, it's like, oh, that would have been really cool and really fun. On the other hand, like looking at the the behind the scenes of like what was going on with season three, and given like our sort of very very kind of cold reception of the beginning of this season of like you know an episode with Locke where he's out like hanging out with a bunch of drug dealers like where could you imagine uh an entire episode where the entire flashback episode was essentially a lie I mean that's the thing it would have been it it would have it would have been fun but ultimately it really would have gotten us nowhere yeah, so they be, when they decided to kill off Nikki and Paolo instead, they did a truncated version of that with this with this opening. Razzle dazzle. <laughs> but yeah, we could have gotten an entire episode of Razzle Dazzle. So now we're eighty four days before, I guess, the present, and. Uh, She's having breakfast with Howie, you know, a much older man, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, but, she, I, but like, they seem happy. They seem, they seem nice together. He seems very, you know, uh, genuinely, uh, smitten with her. And he's got this new chef, the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil. <laughs> uh, Paulo comes in and. And he's, uh, you know, he's uh, prepared some delicious omelets with truffles. Oh, it's it's to die for, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't say something like that. Did they? Did they literally slip in a line like that? Not that I heard. <laughs> okay, I was like, am I misremembering? If one of them said it's to die for, then like I need to throw my computer into the ocean or something. And Paul passed over. Paolo has poisoned uh, Howie. And, you know, we see him, like, dying. And Nikki, like, is just watching him. And then they watch. She calls him in. And then they watch him die. And at that moment, you're like, oh, they're villains. Yeah. These are good people. This is like, like, we've had our con men in this series. But, like... And we've had characters at the their lowest lows, like Charlie, and you know we we've got Sawyer and people like who've done really bad things. But this is straight up murder. Yeah, this is the first I think set of like time that we 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 have a set of people in a flashback who are you know who were 
survivors of the plane crash who are straight up villains. Um, which is such an interesting turn. And it's uh, both awesome and not awesome that we didn't get to expand on that. <laughs> so Nikki grabs this key that Howie keeps around his neck because that's what you do, I guess. And she goes into a room where it has a safe and she opens it up and they find this Russian nesting doll and she opens up that and opens up that and opens up that. And <laughs> and she sees something. We don't see what it is, but, you know, let's jump ahead. It's diamonds. Razzle friggin' dazzle. Um... Look, if you try, look, this is a fun episode. If you try to unpack this, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, oh, yeah. This right here does not make sense because she, I mean, granted, I guess the idea is that, like, she didn't love this guy or whatever, whatever. She was only sleeping with him to get the diamonds or to get ahead in her career. We don't know what ultimately led her down the path of deciding murdering this man was a far better decision than either engaging in a sincere relationship with him or just continuing to pursue her acting career no that's the thing isn't well isn't the idea that she's her and paulo are in theory in love Uh, yes and so but they but i guess we're we're never we're never really given much outside of they're in love they killed this guy for his money uh like we don't know if she was like disillusioned with the 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 struggling actor life. Like we don't know Did what led to these decisions. Seek Howie out, develop a relationship with him to get on expose and then get his diamonds. And then how did she know he had diamonds? There's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot of there's, there's a, a lot, lot of, of holes. holes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like honestly. It's the expose episode of Lost. It's almost like who gives a shit. Well, it it was one of those things where I wonder if the idea wasn't that she was an actress and that's kind of where the original plan was. And then when they decided to kill him off, if they were like, if the showrunners were like, okay, well, if we're going to kill them off this early, then let's just make them despicable people while still incorporating that like original idea. So now we skip ahead 80 days prior. Uh, And they're in the airport and they're reading the article about how, you know, how he was, uh, how he was found dead. And, you know, it's not, it's a heart attack, nothing suspicious. And they're sitting there and they're kind of having a little bit of a a toast to their, their new life. Uh, Also, important little, there's uh, Chekhov's uh, nicotine gum set up here. <laughs> so you know that i appreciate it, that it's it's you know that's going to be important later that he's chewing that and then we have because he quit smoking for her yeah Aww. these murderers really are in love well i do th- i well you know i i, I kind of want to wait to get to to that but i do <laughs> I, I, to unpack that but i do think there are genuine feelings here um so we see Shannon and Boone, and this is our first of the super fun, like, uh, 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 cameos. Yes. So 
And, you know, again, we, we've talked extensively about Shannon and Boone um, and their roles in the series and, and the pros and cons of the storytelling approaches with them. But, like, now that they're gone and that they've been gone for a while, it is always just kind of nice to see them again whenever they pop up. And they are fighting. They're being awful to each other. And when they and they they're like hanging around Nikki and Paolo's table because Sh- Shannon needs a chair or it's not quite clear, but the point is they they Nikki they make Paolo, a scene they make a they scene make, <laughs> they make a scene and Nikki's basically like we never want to end up like them. <laughs> And then, <laughs> it's um, funny because they die. <laughs> and then immediately, boom, we are in the plane crash. And I actually think they do a pretty good job of putting Nikki in the middle of all this. Like for yeah. television effects and the, because they're clearly using some old footage and they have her in there and there's clearly some new footage too which is kind of yeah uh, according according to the uh, trivia they used a combination of you know footage from the pilot unused dailies and then footage like newly shot footage for this sequence which i think is really cool and i i have to agree with you i think for the most part it worked really well and nikki's running around like looking for paulo doesn't know what's happening. Everything's is chaos. We see the that guy gets sucked into sucked the into turbine. <laughs> um, she sees someone under some rubble. She goes to try to pull him out, and it's not Paulo. It's Arntz. Yeah, and that's the point. Like, because like Shannon and Boone have made cameo appearances before. Uh, this is this is like the first time where it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> We're really going for it. And we even have the fun moment like Boone's walking around. He asks her for a pen, which we remember from the the pilot. It was so good. It was so good. And um, then she does find Paula, who's kind of in a daze. And she immediately asks about their carry-on bag because that has the diamonds. She's all this chaos, but she's got a one-track mind still. Well, it's interesting because her first question is, hey, are you are you all right? Like, that is yeah. question number one. And then, like, she's like, look at me because he's, yeah, he's totally shell-shocked. She's like, look at me. And then she's like, where's the bag? And so, it, like, that immediately tells us that, like, or, or telegraphs to us, is she not in love with this guy? Like, is... Like, is her prior, is she like kind of like Sawyer where all she cares about is her money? Like, what's, uh, what's going on with these two? Um, so now we're 75 days and they're debating about what, is it a monster? Is it a dinosaur? And they're trying to figure out because they still haven't found this bag. And look- I think it's funny that they they brought up dinosaur because that was something that we talked about when we were, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> that was something what that is it? Saw. Is it Jurassic Park? <laughs> um, and who comes up to help them? Maybe with their luggage if they're looking for luggage, Ethan. 
and Ethan is really laying it on thick, trying to sell like like I'm a helpful uh, passenger from this plane. Like, I totally lost my bag too, guys. But like, I'll help you out. It's totally cool. Like, I I was totally on the plane. Yep, nothing suspicious like, here. Don't plane, mind me. Plane split apart. Maybe it fell in the jungle. You should go look in the jungle. Um. <laughs> But this is also the night of a very historic island moment. Because then, you know, Arntz comes in yelling about how Boone stole the water. Like, <gasps> and this leads to a classic sp- Jack speech. Maybe his most classic speech. The live together, die alone speech. Which Nikki and Paula were, of course, present for. And Arntz. <laughs> Because we we've been here the whole time. But, you know, it's, <laughs> the Arndt stuff is nice because it's a little bit of a reminder that Arndt's had been there the whole time but didn't show up till the season finale of season one. And we were yeah. very accepting of it. Yeah, no, and, and, like, that they did a great job initially integrating that character. And so, yeah, it is it is interesting that, like, a lot of like, I guess the point of this episode uh, revolves around Arnst. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting that he does kind of act as a reminder of like, remember when you would be okay with new characters being introduced? And what <laughs> happened to us? <laughs> yeah, that was more than a season ago. So you know, we... yeah, that was still season one, man. Um. So now it's fifty-seven days. So a lot of time has passed and they still haven't found the bag. And Nikki goes to talk to Arntz, who um, is very taken with her. Uh, And Arntz is, he's been studying a lot of the wildlife, a lot of the bugs and stuff. And he's he straight up says that he's discovered new species of insects on the island, (laughs) which actually does make a lot of sense considering how isolated the island actually is. It's kind of like the Galapagos, you know. Yeah, he says he's going to be Charles Darwin. Um, And he has this one spider is a Medusa spider. So because, um, you know, I mean, he doesn't really get into it, I think, in that scene. But later we find out, very important, that this spider, it bites you. And you don't die. But you're paralyzed for like eight hours, and your heartbeat is 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 so shallow or whatever that even doctors would have a hard time not knowing you were alive. Yeah, it's basically um like the it's basically like those old voodoo zombie movies. That that's basically kind of what this episode culminates to of like those old voodoo zombie movies where like you seem like you're dead, but like I think there's a Bill Pullman movie <laughs> where oh, yeah. he's, um, he gets turned into a. That's the one. That's the yeah. one. Uh, it, uh, anyway, that that's a bit and of a tangent. I think the yeah. line in that he's like, "Don't," which is very fitting. To Don't the- let them bury me. me. I'm not <laughs> dead. Yeah. Don't let them bury me. <laughs> Um, so, uh, she learns a little bit about the spider, but then, you know, and Arndt's very, he's like, he's a bad flirt, but an obvious, in an obvious flirt. And she's asking, like, do you know about trajectories 
and he's like, well, and he's I'm, like, boy, howdy, do I? <laughs> yeah, like I'll draw you a map, and it's like, do you? Do you know about this? I don't know. Like my mom's a science teacher; she doesn't know about everything related to science. You know what I mean? She's got like expertise in some things, and but anyway, Arnt knows everything. And I was gonna say, to be fair, he's probably more qualified than a lot of the other people on the island. To be it fair, real. he's probably also bullshitting to talk to Nikki. Absolutely. Um, he's like, I will draw you a map of whatever you want, and you give me your phone number for when we get off this island. Now Paulo is and Nikki then are going through the jungle. And Paulo does seem genuinely jealous that she's letting Arntz flirt with with her and she's flirting back to the and you know, he seems uh you know upset that she had to uh sleep with uh howie zuckerman of uh expose like they have and the- he kind of he kind of throws that in her face too like yeah. he's clearly upset and so he throws it in her face and she's like oh you think i wanted to and this is why you kind of i think start to realize like nikki's being kind of cold to him but paulo not that jealousy no. good look but paulo's Paulo has feelings for her. Yeah, I I never doubt that he loves her over the course of this episode. But like, um, I do, once he starts acting real shady, I do like, again, you know, pretending like I don't know, like the, the first time going through this, like um, I wasn't sure if he was doing this just to perpetuate their relationship or if he was actually planning on just like double crossing her because he felt like her feelings for him weren't genuine and he was either going to like murder her out of jealousy um, and heartbreak or if like he was like, I didn't, I didn't know, like once, once it became clear that he was very jealous, I didn't know who, whether or not, like who was going to like who was going to double cross who and for what reason yeah um so they're they're marching through the jungle and what do they see they see yemi's plane the plane that kills boom and it and it's still up in the tree and Nikki's like, hey, you should go up there. Maybe there's a radio. And Paolo very correctly says, no, if I go up there, the plane will fall. Um, which so, is, <laughs> it's, it's just they can see the future. Yeah. Um, they're like Desmond. They can see the future. Um, kind of fun fact, again, uh, about um, sort of the, the ongoing gags of like them kind of peripherally being involved with everything up to this point, there were actually initially a few more gags that were planned um, with these two. And at one point in the episode, they were going to cross paths with Boone and Locke, you know, digging digging up the hatch and you know because they're doing shady shit in the jungle basically everybody was like let's all just pretend that this never happened and you guys go about your business and we'll go about ours and uh goodbye goodbye so so, 
<laughs> Isn't that? Yeah. Like, I think that would have been a little much, but that it is kind been, of funny. That would have been, that would have been a bit much. Yeah. That would have been too much. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is funny that, you know, they do see the plane. They do find the pearl hatch. And I love that Nikki's like, no, don't go down there. Like, yeah. They, <laughs> like they find like this is around the same time Locke is digging up the other hatch. And it's like they have made a huge discovery that they just decide not to share with anybody because they are selfish people. Which, I mean, to be fair, it's been established um, multiple times that Jack and company also keep things to themselves and close to the chest because they think it's in everybody's best interest. And knowing that the the powers that be, the people, you know, playing leader are keeping things from them uh, and having their own selfish agendas. Yeah. It makes sense that they'd be like, yeah, I'm not telling anybody. I, I will. I will give the other people who keep secrets, this one thing over Nikki and Paula, at least they continue to investigate to figure out what things are. Like, <laughs> you know, they don't just like, well, this is weird. And then just walk away forever. Um, so <laughs> on with my business i have diamonds to attend to so now we're 48 days and another island moment comes up where we find out that there was a case of guns that was found and yep this is exactly what i was just talking about yeah and aren't uh Arntz is in on this conversation where they talk about like oh you two boyfriends uh kate um but nikki wants to know where she found this case because she has a theory that wherever this case was found maybe other stuff from the plane was so her and paulo go to the like little waterfall lagoon area where they found it and she's like dive in there and get them he's like why don't you dive in now they're the classic like idiots why don't you do it and she's like i slept with howie and he's like, meh. So he's like, yeah, she's like, it's time for you to take one for the team, like, my dude. You go down there and you find our $8 million worth of diamonds. And he goes down there and he finds. Well, find- something, something he, uh, she says, like, he straight up says, like, um, like, if, if I wasn't around, like, do you even need me? Basically, like, if that's I. True, like, yeah, that's important. If, yeah, yeah. If, like, we didn't have to find the diamonds, like, would, would, would you even be with me? And she doesn't answer. And she's like, just go get the diamonds, man. Just dive in. She doesn't answer. And that's important. And he does dive in and he does find the pack. And then he comes up and says, all he saw were dead bodies down there. But we know he found it because then cut to 32 days. Uh, Paulo's got his nicotine gum and he's burying something uh in the uh in the in the sand to which in not a great place because he's near where the water is. And also he's near people because Locke just walks up like, hey Paulo. Quite literally right by a torch. Like right by a tiki torch. And there are other tiki torches on the beach. And Locke says very cryptically. 
things don't stay buried. And it's like, huh? And it goes, well, there's beach erosion and there's, but we know the deeper meaning to things not staying buried. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. One, because Locke buried some crutches, I believe. <laughs> Didn't he bury those crutches that could have also been used in case anybody else ne- got injured? Yeah. Ah, uh, Locke, you and your symbolism. Uh, but the other interesting thing is that it's Locke saying things don't stay buried. And Locke, as you and I both know, doesn't stay dead, necessarily. <laughs> and Locke is big on unburying things like the hatch. And by the end of this episode, you know what does stay buried? Nikki, Nikki and Paolo. Paolo. <laughs> so Locke... Uh, is right so paulo's like i better hide these somewhere else so he goes to the pearl hatch and he goes down in it and he hides them in the tank of the toilet but while he's hiding the russian nesting doll with the diamonds in there um uh he hears people come into the pearl so the, i did like this, this like i did like this like a lot and who is it it's ben and Juliet. Ben, by the way, they're by the way, they're dressed like when the others pretend to be like weird island people, not <laughs> weird shanty people. Yeah. <laughs> and they're looking at uh they're looking at Jack and the monitors. And she, Juliet's like, because Jack at this point is in the other hatch. And she's like, Oh, what are you gonna do? He goes, Well, I'm gonna do what I always do. I'm gonna find uh i'm gonna do what i always do i'm gonna wander out into the jungle get shot by a french woman get hung upside down for several hours let all the blood flow to my head and then come up with a plan buddy he, he talks about it. it's the it's the ben thing of when ben gets finds out what makes people tick and then exploits them yeah ben. he's like i'm gonna find out what he's emotionally invested in now i would argue paulo has just overheard a really important thing but he can't say anything about it because then nikki will get suspicious of what was he doing there maybe he's got those diamonds also i mean in his defense like not that it's good to keep this sort of secret but like who's he gonna tell like i saw a couple of the others in a secret location somewhere on the island like would anybody like that's gonna just immediately make him look suspicious like suspicious as hell so now we're nine days out and it's what we've seen we see a scene we've seen before where Locke's like we're going to the pearl and nikki and paulo you're coming with us Oh, uh, the Pearl, what's that? We've never been there. That is a place we have never been. And they go to the Pearl, and we remember there was the scene where Paolo used the bathroom while they were in the Pearl, except this time we see that he's getting the diamonds out of that Russian nesting doll, because now he knows people are snooping around the Pearl. Like, he's got to get those diamonds out. Yeah, he's like, oh, the jig's up. I'm going to have to find a new place to hide these. Which is, of course, down his pants. Um, Now we're 12 hours out. And 
you know, we're really close to present time. And Nikki's sitting on the beach. She's kind of sad. Like, apparently it had been Thanksgiving the week before. And she's basically very pessimistic. But Paolo is over there. And he's like... No, like I'm I'm being op- I'm being optimistic, which surprises her. And it's kind of the first tender moment they've had since really the airport, where they're like kinda, you know, and and even say about like that bag, I'm glad we never found that bag, says yeah. it's tearing us apart. And and she seems to kind of agree, actually. Yeah. And and it's interesting that these two people are introduced to us at the beginning of this episode as unapologetic murderers and yet her sitting on the beach going we missed thanksgiving actually does really kind of hit a little bit and you know it it's a it's like a little bit of a it's well you know it's a it does hit and i think like nikki has accepted her fate at this point i think she's accepted like we're never finding the diamonds we're probably never getting off this island uh, yeah, and and I I also think that like I I think another thing that I I read was that like in the little tidbits was that the reason that they mentioned oh we missed Thanksgiving was because that's a thing that a lot of fans were complaining about at the time like oh they've been on this island for X amount of days why didn't anybody mention that it's Thanksgiving because they're living on island time guys nothing matters <laughs> when you're on a deserted island nothing matters in island time or quarantine time. True story. <laughs> These are facts. Yeah. Will I get to celebrate a Thanksgiving this year? Who's to say? Anyway. I have long. I am in the process of making peace with the fact that I'm not going to get to celebrate Halloween this year. Like, uh, like just with the rate that things are going. I have oh, yeah, made because peace even, with that. Even, yeah. Because there won't be there where there shouldn't. Well, the plus of a Halloween party is. Most Everybody's wearing, wearing masks. masks. No. Um, <laughs> but no, I have made peace with the fact that Halloween is not happening this year because for me, Halloween is a month long celebration. And I've made peace with the fact that none of those things that I normally do are happening. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't like, as far as like Thanksgiving and Christmas go, like, ugh, man, I don't even like to think about it. So, Paulo like leaves and he made a fatal flaw. He uh left his nicotine uh, gum. And now Nikki um, knows he has found the bag, he has found the diamonds, and she is pissed. Now, on the one hand, I'm like rookie mistake, Paulo, Nikki rookie mistake. But in his defense, things fall out of my pockets all the time. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times I've embarrassingly lost very important things because they were in my pockets. They fell out of my pockets without me noticing them. <laughs> like very important things, like a debit card, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> so, so, you know, like I, I, I feel for you, Paulo. I feel for you. So anyway, um... Uh, Nikki is mad. She immediately goes, I need to, I need a gun. She goes to Sawyer. Sawyer's like, uh, 
uh, no, I'm not giving you a gun, especially you're so like, you're so angry right now. I'm not getting. Also, she doesn't offer to trade him anything. She's just like, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't art she's dealing with. This is Sawyer. And when she walks away, Sawyer's like, who the hell are you? (laughs) I don't even know you. (laughs) So now it's eight hours. And her and Paolo are going through the jungle. And I have a surprise for you. He's like, oh, is it a sexy surprise? He doesn't say that, but that's what he's thinking. <laughs> that's what he's thinking. And then she's like, I found Let's the Let's be bone. honest. They've been on the rocks. They probably haven't gone to Bone Town in a while. Um, She's like, I know what you're, um, I, uh, she says, uh, I found the diamonds and immediately he seems a little nervous and confused because he found because the diamonds are down his pants, which if he was expecting to go to pound town, like what was he going to do with the diamonds in that scenario? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That was going to have to be some sleight of hand magic there. Um, and he, uh, you call it Pound Town? <laughs> I gonna, heard somebody refer to it that, <laughs> refer gonna, to it as that on a podcast before. I'm going to so. call it, I'm going to call it the Bone Zone. I like Bone Zone too. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I combined the two a little earlier and I called it Bone Town and I'm like that. No, I don't like that at all. So I, I switched it up to Pound Town. So, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Sexy time. Uh, <laughs> she basically calls him out like I know you have the diamonds you probably have the diamonds on you wear the diamonds and he's like uh, and she throws a Medusa spider at him uh, which I think if I'm uh, checking my notes correctly is the worst thing you can possibly do to another human being <laughs> like just throw- it doesn't even have to be a poisonous spider just throwing a spider at another human being is I think an offense punishable by death. Like, am I correct in that assessment? I've heard this before. (laughs) Now, like this. Okay. At the time of this recording, it is kind of towards the, the beginning of July. It's in the first quarter of July. Um, the and I've noticed on my uh when I, I take my walks out with my mask on and everything like that, that I've seen more spiders out and about lately in the, the town of Burbank. And I will say, Will, that it reminds me a lot of last year when I would go out on my runs, there were lots and lots and lots of spiders out and about because I guess it was a super humid summer. I don't know. I don't know the the ecology behind it, but there were so many spiders. And there was one day where I was starting my cool down. Or like, no, no, I wasn't starting my cool down. I was in the middle, like on the tail end of a run. And there was a spider descending from... Um, one of the treetops above the sidewalk I was running on. And I, because I was running at night, I only noticed it at like right before I was about to collide into it. And I managed to dodge it at the last possible moment. 
And I considered that a huge, huge, huge win. And had uh, you been bitten by that spider, you would now be buried alive. I would. I would. That is that is a fact. That's exactly what would have happened. That being said, I did run face first. It, like Even though I avoided the spider, I did, over the course of last summer, run face first into several spider webs. Like, which was not fun and not great. And I'm not even an arachnophobe. I I do not consider myself arachnophobic, but it is a sensation that I do not recommend to anyone. And uh, to have Nikki throw a spider at directly at Paolo's face is clearly a sign that she no longer loves him <laughs> and also wants him to die even though this spider won't kill him well she's as we know the spider paralyzes you for eight hours and this is giving her an opportunity to search him she looks in his shoe and it doesn't even give you superpowers nope. i call shenanigans so she's searching him and uh, she realizes, oh, it's probably in your pants. So she opens up his pants, finds them, and this is when he says in his last things before he goes full paralyzed, uh, he was afraid he was losing her. And my question to you is, does Nikki... Like, I buy it. I think this is all true, real emotions from Paulo. Does Nikki buy it? I think she does. I think she knows this guy loves her and she just doesn't give a shit. I would I would argue that it's ambiguous because there there seems to be that moment of tenderness again on the beach like you you mentioned earlier and when he tells her that he was afraid of losing her the I, I, this is one of those instances where I wish we had our hands on the script because the look that she gives him after he says that, like, and and anybody who says that the acting for these two people isn't good, I I would point to this scene and say you're wrong, and also shut up, <laughs> um, because the look she gives him says so much. Because it's like a mixture of pity and also kind of regret. At least that's how I'm reading it. Like, so in my opinion. They do love each other. and But, like, there's enough... This is the... In my opinion, what transpires in this episode is the perfect example of, like, the right amount of ambiguity um, that loss should exude. Because I think that they love each other. But I feel like, given the their non-verbal acting, you could interpret it several different ways. For instance... When she looks at him after he says that, like, I 100% buy that she loves him and feels sorry that she did this and understands why he hid the truth from her, even if she's not happy about it. Also, if she wanted him dead, she could have just killed him, you know? Because clearly murdering somebody is not <laughs> something she's above, you know? Um... So I, I do buy that they love each other, but something also I, I think is really interesting here is when, because uh, what happens is that 
a strange sound emerges from the jungle because as arts mentioned earlier in the in the episode if you throw a female medusa spider out there all the males will come at, like from a, a hundred miles away will come crawling and so there's this strange sound uh reminiscent of the sound the monster makes and all of a sudden there are tons of male Medusa spiders yes. like all around them. And here's the thing is that Paulo sees a spider and looks at her and see, looks back at the spider and looks back at her. And I love this moment because it's like, is he unable to warn her because the paralysis is taking effect or is he choosing not to warn her because this is what she did to him? Like, is he getting back at her? And I personally think that he is unable to warn her. Yeah, um, I think he's trying to warn her. Yeah, but, like, it's ambiguous. Like, and the way it's shot is ambiguous, and I think it's intentionally so. Um, so that's that's something that you can interpret whatever way you want, and I... I even though I choose to interpret it as like him trying to warn her because these two genuinely love each other, you could just as easily interpret it as like, oh, these two have fucked each other over, and so he's screwing her. He's choosing to screw her over right now. Okay, so now we kind of have to. We gotta. We're technically we're done with the flashback if we if we wanted to to do that. I, I do. I do technically want to point out one more thing. Um, just again, another tidbit that I found while, while sort of, and granted all my trivia that I've gotten is from the Lostopedia page. So take yeah. it all with a grain of salt, but you know how at the beginning of the episode, they were debating whether or not there was an existence of the monster. Yes. Uh, so apparently that little sound cue before the, the Medusa spider bites Nikki. Uh, apparently, it was confirmed on the official Lost podcast way back in 2008 that that sound cue actually was to indicate that it was the monster that was responsible for uh, the spider showing up, whether it was taking the form of the spiders or whether mm. through you know, manipulation of the, the environment around it, but it was the monster that was responsible for the spider biting Nikki. So technically at the beginning of this episode, they're debating the, about the existence of the monster and technically uh, uh, the official word on the official podcast is that it's the man in black that is responsible for their deaths. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I have mixed feelings on it as I do with everything with the man in black, but like we talked about the man in black actually being Dave, you know, the, um, the, the hallucination of Hurley. And it would make sense that the man in black would try to systematically pick off people one by one as best he could. And he saw an opportunity and he took it. So, Nikki starts to realize she's got to get rid of these. She's got to hide these diamonds. So she runs, she buries them, and she stumbles out of the jungle onto the beach where Hurley and Sawyer are playing ping pong and proceeds to, you know, 
uh, mutter something, which Hurley later interprets as Paulo lies, and uh, and dies, seemingly dies. To which Sawyer then asks, "Who the hell is Nikki?" <laughs> and which is a fun um, week for the audience. It is. It is because that's what audiences were asking. Um, I will say that, like, what do you like? Do you think they would have fa- like? Granted, the ma- like knowing that the Man in Black canonically, if we are taking the official Lost podcast as canon, uh, that the Man in Black is responsible for that action. Like, don't you th- like if you if you ignore that podcast and just think like, oh, it was just spiders. Do you think she would have fared better if she and Paolo had, like, if she hadn't run back to the beach? Like, if she had just collapsed near Paolo, and then eight hours later, they would have just gotten up and been like, well, this is awkward. Uh, okay, I guess we're not a couple anymore. Yeah. And go back to the beach. Yeah, if she hadn't run out there, they probably would have gone undetected or, you know. Yeah, because nobody knew who they were. <laughs> Nobody would have been looking for them. (laughs) So they notice a few other things that there was gunk under her nails. Charlie notices that. So what we have here, my dear William, is a case of murder most foul. And there's only one person who can get to the bottom of this mystery. And it's Detective Kate. And Detective Kate isn't here. What are we going to do? (laughs) Well, instead, uh, Hurley and Sawyer and Jin decide to go into the jungle where they find Paolo seemingly dead. And it's weird because there's no wound. They don't see anything. And they see the, you know, the shoe in the tree. It's very confusing. There's there's no apparent cause of death. And the, (laughs) the victim's shoe is in this tree. What could this possibly mean? And Jin, in a real not smart move is about to drink the water paulo's water and so he's like no like, <laughs> don't do that and he starts to dump it out and then hurley's like hey that could be evidence so you know they're having a big argument of basically police procedure and um i do i do like it feels like that mo- moment from clue where it's like, uh, we can't take fingerprints right now. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, Jin thinks it's the monster. And that seems like a pretty good theory. And also, apparently, correct. <laughs> apparently, um, it's canon. <laughs> so, Sawyer's like, well, let's go uh, find out more about these jabronis. Uh, <laughs> which- I love it. I love it so much. And they go into their little hut and where they find the expose script. And Hurley realizes, oh, man, Nikki was an actress with her big first break. Oh, man, Billy D. Williams is actually the Cobra. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, man. Like, there's so much about this episode that I enjoy. I enjoy the cameos. I enjoy the meta jokes. And I always enjoy a good murder mystery. And like, we have all of those things like blended together in this fun hodgepodge of an episode. It's great. 
It also says what kind of TV shows Hurley used used to watch back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a total Hurley show. And, um, you know, they look in there and they find a walkie-talkie. So then it's like, oh, were they working with the others? But Hurley isn't really, really buying that. But then Sun points out, hey, the others come here. They dragged me into the jungle. And there's this look between Charlie and Sawyer like, oh, fuck. Um, I actually had forgotten that this was something that I had for- uh, was brought up in this episode. I had forgotten that this, I remember that this had happened. I didn't remember it happened in this episode. It's the one, and this is the one thing, and I kind of said before that there was something that kind of like an important character moment of our main characters here. Uh, and this, this is, this is the thing. So, uh, Sawyer also, it's it's discovered that Sawyer uh that she had a gun on her and Sawyer has the gun now. Um and you know Sawyer's going to go secure the perimeter. And in the meantime Hurley decides to ask Desmond like hey can't your psychic powers give me <laughs> We need you to pull a psych and tell us even though the the detective in that show also that show doesn't exist yet i think in the year of our lord 2007 um, i i don't remember if it existed in 2007 or not but like we need you to psych this crime scene man and desmond's like uh i don't know what reference you're making and also that's not how it works but desmond does say i did see nikki and sawyer arguing earlier so Ooh. now now Hurley is suspicious. Um, and he brings this up. He brings up, like, why is Sawyer trying to figure this out so much? And Son's like, hey, Sawyer's not a murderer. And Hurley's still a little unconvinced. Um, and he goes off, leaving Son and Charlie alone, digging graves. And... Um, Charlie decides he's going to confess to Son, and he says that he attacked. He said he wasn't in the right headspace. It was after his fight with Locke. He was all messed up. And Sawyer convinced them, you know, uh, so they could get, so he could get the guns, you know. Um, yeah, which I, I think is really interesting for Charlie because. Desmond, not that long ago, told him, you're going to die, Charlie. Well, he's on like a here, men's tour. Yeah, that's the thing, is that he is, like, whether or not he took that warning from Desmond seriously or not, like, if somebody says, you're going to die, and there's nothing you can do about it, like, I'm trying to help you avoid it, but ultimately, there's nothing I can do, you're going to die, uh, I think that change it like that forces you to like look at your life and look at your choices in a in a different light. And even if he had somehow convinced himself that Desmond didn't know what he was talking about, was lying to him, or like you know just um, was out of his mind crazy, uh, like if he had somehow managed to convince himself of one of those scenarios. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that two of their fellow survivors have now fallen dead at his feet. 
and he's having to look in their dead faces and dig their graves right after somebody says, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. It's inevitable. Uh, yeah, he is kind of looking at his life and his choices and particularly the bad things that he's done and he's having to reckon with them. And you can definitely see that as a direct result of his interactions with Desmond. And I think that's, that's a really good character beat. So Sawyer comes back and they kind of call him out on like, Hey, what's going on here, Sawyer? And he says, look, I realized she was digging for something. had to be something important. And look what I got. I found these diamonds. And this is like some real like with these diamonds. Because why wouldn't you want to hold on to these diamonds still? I guess. I don't know. I guess they just really figure they're never getting off this island. So Sawyer, basically, she gives them to... Uh, to uh son because he's like forget it like this is what they were looking for and sawyer's all sorts of offended but sawyer is a scoundrel because (laughs) i mean he did just dig up those diamonds so like let's not pretend he didn't do that (laughs) and also it's just been revealed to son that he's partly responsible for when she was attacked so sawyer's digging later oh yeah and he he and, he gets called out on that, yeah, for and sure. Son comes up to him and calls him out on it. Um, and Sawyer's like, "Are you gonna tell Jen?" And she's like, "No, because then we'll have to dig another grave." Yeah. <laughs> Do great. you want me to? Do you have a death wish, my dude? <laughs> and then she's like, "These diamonds are worthless. No, they're not. They're worth eight million dollars." And well, and- also, she's rich. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't need them. I have so much money. And then she slaps him. Um, Which is honestly letting him off light. <laughs> so then, of course, Nikki and Paolo are in the grave. And Hurley, you know, eulogizes them as best he can. Which, as we established earlier in the series, he's not great at eulogizing. But he also points out that they were always nice to him. Yes. At, like, even though he's not great at eulogizing, he is sincere. Which is not something you could say, I think, if somebody else gave their eulogies, you know? So, then in a last bit of, like, kind of old rose and titanic moment sawyer dumps the diamonds into the open grave he drops the heart of the ocean into their graves what are you talking about will and you know then they start to bury them and there's a great shot right as he's throwing dirt down there of nikki's eyes shoot open but it's too late they don't see them. And the episode ends in a rather creepy fashion of them kind of just nobody saying anything. And uh, Sawyer and Hurley just filling in their graves as Nikki and Paolo are buried alive. And this may, in fact, be the darkest ending to an episode of Lost ever. And it's both dark as hell and hilarious and scary. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's dark. 
it's dark because it's it's hilarious also like that's the thing like it's done with like it's such a gallows humor thing but it's also like what the fuck did i just watch yeah it's now i i will be honest um murder mysteries are 100 my jam horror movies are 100 my jam and horror comedies are also 100% my jam. And we get a little bit of everything in this episode. We get a murder mystery with the structure of it, um, with the way the flashback is interwoven with the stuff that's going on on the island. And we get, like, a horror movie in that, like, these two do get buried alive, but we also get comedy in the fact that, like, there's so much meta humor going on. Like, this episode even though i did not care for it the first time i saw it this episode is really really good and i had such a fun time watching it this time around um then let's get let's get into it uh i'm gonna start with my uh jacob which is honestly it's the cameos it's (laughs) It's it's so good. It's Arntz, it's Boone and Shannon, it's Billy fucking D. Williams. <laughs> I mean, the cameos are Ethan, you know, it, they are great. They they really, like I said, it's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of Lost, and I, I, I am here for it. Uh, Megan, how about you? What's your uh, Jacob? Uh, my Jacob is the fact that, like, I could go with the structure. I could go with literally anything I just listed. I could even go with the acting because, as I pointed out, there's there's really good acting in this episode. Um, I'm going to go with the fact that it's just, it's a murder mystery episode of Lost. And, like, what am I always advocating for on this series, Will? Mystery. I'm advocating for Detective Kate <laughs> yeah, to, to get to the bottom of this mystery. And there are so many mysteries in Lost, but we never get a murder mystery. <laughs> and so I, like, uh, up until, like, the end of, like, what is it, season five? Where it's, like, who's in the casket? Um, like... So I, I have, I have such a soft spot in my heart for murder mysteries, even though I'm terrible at trying to figure them out while I'm going through them. Um, but like, I love them so, so much. And so the fact that Lost tried its hand at a murder mystery and came to a really, like told a really satisfying, funny, scary story with it, like, I couldn't ask for anything more, honestly. Um, my man in black, I don't know. This is a tough one. I don't have one pre-thought out because it's just a fun episode. I mean, I, and I, I don't want to say the plot holes because they don't really bother me. So I guess I'm just going to go with the general idea of, you know, this episode is so satisfying with Nikki and Paolo. And it makes me wonder why did they have to be so inorganically jammed in there earlier in the season? It just makes you realize things that were wrong earlier. It's a little bit of a cheat, but that's what I'm going with. I mean, my man in black is going to be something similar. Like, even though I feel completely differently about this episode than I did the first time I watched it, 
that doesn't change my feelings on the fact that Nikki and Paolo as characters and the idea behind those characters had potential. And it's such a shame to see that potential go out the window. And to, again, to, to earlier, to past Megan's credit, um, killing off these characters so early makes it start to feel like there's a revolving door of characters that aren't our main cast, you know? Like, it starts, uh, and granted, there are other shows who are more guilty of this, but having this so closely behind the death of Anna Lucia and Libby and Mr. Echo, like, it's frustrating. Like, it's upon a first watch, for sure, it is frustrating to have Anna Lucia, Libby, Mr. Echo, and Nikki and Paolo all killed within such quick succession of one another because, like, all of those characters had potential and all of those characters clearly had potential story trajectories. So, like, I 100% understand past me's frustration with this episode. Um... That being said, if you take a step back from all that with the the mindset of somebody who's already seen this series before, like when I realized what episode we were covering today, I I was delighted, at, which is not a sensation I had <laughs> upon a first watch. So I feel like this is a frustrating episode for a first time viewer but a really satisfying one for a returning viewer. So um, I'm going to set my <laughs> my previous biases aside and give my man in black to the plot hole of why would Nikki do this? Like she was an up and coming actress. Like why, why would, why, why go with this plan? Why, why go with the like kind of far fetched out of, out of the norm narrative for lost of like we gotta get these diamonds <laughs> sort of thing um it, it it feels very out of place for lost so i i will i will say nikki's the the plot hole with nikki's motivations megan where can the people find you you guys can follow me on twitter and instagram at the Menguin. that's t-h-e-m-e-n-g-u-i-n and you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, and uh, you could buy my book on Amazon. Crazy about Kurt. I don't know. I almost didn't plug it, but then I had an awkward pause. Do and it. I it. Do it. Do um, it. Buy that book. Read that book. Review that book, and then do a podcast about that book. Yeah. Um. So until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts 
far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, drinks with God and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>